0: Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Psychology Concepts Explained. This is your host, Dr. Jack Chuang, and I'm a psychology professor. I teach only online for a couple of colleges in Washington State while residing in Texas, for now. And my doctorate degree is in counseling psychology, so if you're a first-time listener, welcome, and thank you for somehow finding me in the midst of the Large ocean that is podcasting world. And uh, do me a favor if you haven't already, just uh, click subscribe to the podcast. And that way, when I drop new episodes, you'll get a little notification in your app that it's available for you to listen. And I try to record at least two episodes per week. All right, gives me something to do with my time. Okay, uh, a lot of times I introduce myself as the host of the podcast. And it's kind of a funny word because that assumes that you have guests, right? If you're a host and I don't have any guests, it's just me rambling on every week. And But I do have some hosts planned and <laughs> they don't know it yet, my guests. But hopefully I'll be able to drag them uh, and record a conversation together and that some of you will find value in that. So I'll save that for later. I don't want to promise anything. I cannot... Um, deliver. That's that's a big no-no. Okay, today's topic was from a listener who messaged me who is from India, who is in India, which is kind of cool. And uh, the question was about can you talk more about these very, very popular online personality quizzes or personality tests that are out there. And... Whether or not they're accurate or not uh, are they bogus et cetera okay um, well, I started doing some digging around and and I have some my own thoughts and experience about them, but I thought I'd freshen up a little bit and did some online research and boy, is that a real rabbit hole uh to get into in terms of what's out there? so let me just focus on those of you who are the casual listener not necessarily a psychology professional but if you are that's fine too maybe you can give me some input on this and so I'm not coming from the point of view of being an expert in psychological assessment with regards to personality theories but just as a generalist as a psychology educator try to give you some uh, maybe some insights of my thoughts about this whole genre of personality tests online and so the big question is is that are they truthful are they accurate Um, so I want to introduce some psychological concepts after all that's what this podcast is about to talk about this and and we'll have to borrow some terms from the vocabulary of psychological research okay So when people throw around the word, well, are these tests valid? Are they reliable? Those are two different statistical terms, right? So let's talk about that. Um, When you take any kind of quiz or survey, let's put it that way, for a survey to be a good survey, so if a business is using it, let's say it's a human resource person, Who's doing training with employees, and they give you the personality test. This has become very common, and it's become big business to use these kinds of tests in those circumstances. It could be used for screening potential employees, right, new employees, to give these kinds of tests. Um, they may be used for high security clearances, right, to detect whether someone may be dishonest or withholding information. Sometimes a test could be used in the court system to evaluate whether someone is uh, fit to stand trial, or are they suffering from a mental illness where they may not understand what is going on in the courtroom, and they should not be charged with a crime because they they may not know the difference between right and wrong, morally speaking. Okay, so there are so many different types of tests out there. It's very difficult for me to just say, okay, this is... The way it is with this kind of test all right so let's just say in general any kind of test out there they need to focus on the validity and the reliability so the validity factor and there are different types of validity as well so I don't want to go too deep into internal versus external validity and all those statistical kinds of concepts Uh, there's a time and place for that and I don't teach statistics thank goodness but um, those who do I, I, I Give you all sorts of credit. I need to buy you coffee for everybody out there teaching statistics. It is very challenging, and so the key idea here is that: are the questions in the survey in this personality test, for example, is it measuring what it's intended to measure? Right. So when a question is phrased, do a hundred people understand that question the same way? So it would be a huge problem if a test had an item where the response might be from 1 to 5. That's called the Likert scale, right? Not at all to yes, agree, disagree to disagree, those kind of scales. And if most people are interpreting the same question wording in 10 different ways, right, then it's a bad question whatever statistics you gain from that item has to be thrown out because the question is not valid, right? Because people are not, the answers you're getting are not for the same concept, the same idea, right? So that's number one. And there are statistical methods, statistical methods, excuse me, out there that surveyors and researchers use to measure this validity factor, okay? So each item has to be analyzed, and it's called an item analysis to see how valid these questions are. Okay. Now another question has to be reliability, and that is, if someone were to take a test a week from now, the same test, would they get similar results? Now in general, with a the personality theory, the the major idea is that our personalities tend to be, I'm not going to say inflexible because they're not, but they tend to be relatively stable over time. So if you think about people in your family, right, even cousins, your grandparents, your grandkids, you know, especially with a variety of age groups, would you say that the people you know within this extended family are relatively the same people? Now, we're not talking about change of jobs and change of, you know, circumstance or getting married we're talking about their personality how they appear to you is it relatively similar over time right Has your have your parents changed that much in the time that you've known them right and there's a pretty good argument to be made that that there are core features about each person that may be relatively stable over time right so it's so it's important that if you're doing a personality test or creating one that you want it to be reliable, okay? So that if I take the test today, and let's say the Myers-Briggs as an example, a lot of you have taken that, you come out with one of sixteen personality types, a four-letter code like ENTJ, right? Um, and you take it a week later, and and you're ISFP, right? Well, then that's not a very reliable test if that's the case, okay? So you want a test that is both both valid and reliable so the way to do that is to give tests to lots of people we'll call them samples right and test over a variety kind of samples in a variety of age groups and variety of people so a lot of university research most of it is done with university students now some of you may not know this if you're not in this environment or in the social sciences but if survey research is done for someone's thesis or dissertation, right, the most available sample is going to be college students because they're right there. They're easily accessible. And the way they did it back in my school, the University of Houston back in the day, was that the psychology department would have a specific table set up and lots of sign-in sheets for volunteers, okay? And these would be usually trying to recruit undergraduate students to participate in a study, someone's research, someone's thesis or dissertation, or it could be an undergraduate research project. And they would most likely get extra credit in the psychology class they are taking, right? So there's, a, there's a, in a way, a type of compensation structure and incentive built in to recruit students So if you think about it, if the majority of the research going into creating a particular personality test, let's call it the Chuang Personality Inventory, the CPI. Hey, I like the sound of that. All right. So let's say I'm going to create the CPI and I work at a university and I'm giving hundreds, if not, yeah, let's say hundreds of surveys out there. I don't think it'd be in the thousands and input them scan them whatever do the analyses and i say well i have a pretty good personality inventory here okay based on these uh six factors you come out with a code and this is your personality type well would that really be a good test even though it passes all those statistical tests of reliability and validity um would it work outside of the state that I live in? Would one's geographical location influence a personality test result? Um, would someone who is not a psychology major or an undergraduate college student or have any college experience would they would this test be valid for them or reliable for them or accurate? Let's just put it that way for them, okay. So there are tons of limitations with every piece of research because of how the research is conducted, right? And so how generalizable is my test, the CPI, going to be if I use students who are going to only one university and the fact that they are in that category of university students, they have the incentive of getting extra credit, okay? Would that change their mindset? Are they true volunteers or they feel like they're coerced into doing this, right? Um, so there's a lot of things that go behind this okay so a lot of this you're not gonna be able to see this will be invisible to you because you're on the consumer end of things taking an online personality test so let me go through some of my notes here well first of all let's talk about the different categories of tests that are out there in, in psychology and so for you psych students out there is a little bit of a review uh, most of the tests that you're gonna see that are very popular are called trait theory tests okay So it's based on the idea that our personalities are are basically a combination of a variety of traits so in the history of uh, research in this category people started with 32 traits narrowed it down to 16 major traits that we have so you think of a trait as a dimension of our personality so a very popular one that you find like in the myers-briggs is the e or i trait e for extrovert i for introvert now, this is one of the criticisms of the uh, Myers-Briggs test, you know, the one with the four-letter code that breaks down into 16 personality, distinct personality types, is that instead of thinking of someone that can be both extroverted and introverted, it's measured along the, a continuum. So you're either or, okay? Um, thinking and feeling is another dimension. You're either a T or a J. Well, what if someone utilizes both? So, shouldn't we be measuring high or low in thinking and high or low in feeling as well? So, that was one of the major criticisms. And also, some uh, later researchers have found that the Myers-Briggs, and we'll abbreviate it as the MBTI, Myers-Briggs Type Inventory, that is not reliable that someone can take the test, get a code, take the test a month from now and get a different code because a lot of those, um, it could be be because they're borderline between the E and the I, they're a little bit of both, so the score in the middle, right? So how reliable is that overall? So again, this is very controversial. If you do a little Googling, you'll see a lot of articles written by people out there saying the MBTI debunked, meaning that it's not a good test. Then I saw articles that are debunking the debunking articles, okay? So, and there are a lot of legitimate-looking companies out there who produce this test for companies, for Fortune 500 companies, for their human resources department, for screening, um, you know, for internal use, that kind of thing, for training. And so I'm not going to go out here and say that it's completely useless or it's completely not a good test. I think it has its merits, but it has to be interpreted the right way. Hello, friends. Let me take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring our podcast. Let me talk to you a little bit about searching for happiness or trying to achieve goals. And oftentimes, life and circumstances and other reasons get in the way. So BetterHelp Will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with your therapist within 48 hours. And it's not a crisis hotline, okay? And it's not self help, it's actual professional counseling, but it's done securely online. You have access to BetterHelp's network of over 20,000 counselors with a wide variety of expertise and training. And this is also about accessibility. If you don't have a counselor in your area to see in person, then this could be a great solution for you. So this service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. So again, accessibility. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as in traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and they make it easy and free if you want to change counselors if necessary. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com slash Psych Explained. And join the over 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced mental health professionals. And there's a special offer for my Psychology Concepts Explained listeners You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash psychexplained. You can see the link in the show notes. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Psychology Concepts Explained. Now, some other examples of more accepted, more widely accepted trait theories are called the one's called the big five so there are five dimensions where it kind of takes care of the issues that people criticize about the myers-briggs and then there's one that has six dimensions it's called the hexaco kind of sounds like texaco but it's called the hexaco personality test and that you can actually find online so I'll, I'll leave some links in the description if you want to check these out now the interesting thing about the hexaco website hexaco.org i believe is the website is that this is written or maintained by the founders and you can tell that these are academics who work for universities and they'll give you a lot of detail about their data collection and how it's done so that seems to be pretty legit to me okay so that's one of those things you want to look for in terms of legitimacy is is their university credentials okay Uh, and whether or not they're the ones who founded the test or are they the ones who are just utilizing the test for their own purposes okay now, there are other kinds of tests that are called projective tests, meaning that the test is trying to tap into some part of your unconscious to reveal something about yourself that you may not be consciously aware of. And a very popular one that most people recognize, one's called the Rorschach inkblot test, right? So you look at these mirror image types of inkblots, and then you tell, uh, and typically this has to be conducted by a psychologist or a psychiatrist, and that that they keep score, take notes, and evaluate it, right? And I've I've done this training before, and the key thing is that if you see one out there on the web, this is not good news because this is not the kind of test that's meant to be self-service kind of test, that you take it, they spit out a result, you know, summary for you, and, and then you walk about on your way. Oftentimes, this test is used in a clinical setting in addition to clinical interviews and other kinds of tests and therapy to determine a diagnosis of mental illness for someone, okay? And so, and another thing is, is that these tests depend upon the fact that they're not public because a person who is, as a patient or a client, taking the test needs to be able to, for the test to be uh, valid The person has to not be familiar with what those ink blots look like. It has to be a first impression kind of experience, right? And so they may have create, they usually create these sample kind of cards that are not in the real test but are just for demonstration purposes. So hopefully if you're out there searching the web for the Rorschach test that that's what you're seeing. But if someone's making these private images public, then it's really destroying the accuracy of the test for those who are using it okay so i do not recommend anyone just casually looking for taking the rorschach test that should be used in a professional setting another one's called the thematic apperception test and this is where someone looks at these sort of vague drawings uh, like sketches and you're supposed to tell a story that you see in the drawing and it's meant to draw out whatever unconscious thoughts you may have or emotions you may have and maybe reveal some things about relationships you have with people. So maybe someone sees that. Oh someone's staring out the window at a sunny day. Someone else might see, oh this person is in despair you see. Look he's just staring out the window with no hope, right? <laughs> Even though they can't see the face. And so the, that's the kind of example of the kind of images. And again, if those kinds of images were commonly made made available that would really also destroy the accuracy of that test, right? You don't want those kinds of things out there. Okay? And so, I guess to anyone out there who's curious, I would want to know from you, you know, why do you seek out those tests? Why do you what is it that you want to know about yourself? Right? Is it just for entertainment purposes? purposes? Is it that you want to find out if you and your partner are compatible? Okay? Um, is there any usefulness to these kinds of tests? Um, and so there are some benefits, okay? So if you have taken the Myers Briggs, because that's the most popular one out there, and you have a little code. I see people on their Twitter profiles put down their Myers Briggs code, you know, just for fun. Um and the idea is that, and what some people may get out of that from human resources training is that wow, you know. If I'm an executive and I'm a manager, I need to recognize that the people, the, the team of 15 that I manage, may have these different ways of thinking about things. They may have these different trends or uh, behavior patterns or ways of thinking that are totally opposite of others. Okay. So I think if someone becomes aware of that in general, and that is very beneficial. Okay. But if they use that to somehow, place people in certain types of jobs because they think it's a good fit i, I would i personally in my own personal opinion would think that that's not an a, an applicable use of that test in that way and and those experts out there might disagree with me but I, I don't think it's more about it's not an aptitude test right it's not testing skills testing a person a set of personality traits a combination of personality traits okay and there's no guarantee that just because on paper these two personality traits might be different that they cannot work together, right? Um, the tests are not that powerful to predict that kind of uh, that kind of behavior patterns between people, okay? Um, it could be useful to use. I think these tests are often used in couples counseling just so that it makes the couple aware that if someone's more of a thinker and someone's more of a feeler that that helps to create conflicts. It could relate to how they manage money. It, it could be that someone who uh, spends money based on emotion may not be using enough of their rational thinking to think about their budget and whether or not they're spending over budget. So if someone's very budget minded and someone's very much uh, feeling based, based on you know spending money to feel better, Uh, spending money as an entertainment, you know, shopping as entertainment versus someone who's trying to keep a tight ship, right? That could be helpful to reveal those kinds of differences, okay? So it all depends on context, okay? So I can't give you a thumbs-up or thumbs-down answer whether or not this test is good, that test is bad, okay? But just some things to look out for because you have to decide on your own whether or not, you know, are there any benefits for me and what am I going to get out of it? Okay, so definitely one of the things you should do is to look for, if you're on a website that has a particular kind of test and whether you recognize the name of the test or not, uh, look for academic credentials or whether or not it's a private company. Okay, that should tell you a lot of whether or not these tests are paid, okay? Um, again, unless you're being supervised by a counselor or a psychologist or doing this as part of your career, evaluation like career testing at a university um, where they where you have someone who can interpret the results for you rather than just giving you a printout Um, I would be very cautious about just going out there on your own and and taking these tests and paying for them okay so look for standard things like informed consent a detailed description of why and how they're going to use their data okay and that it should be anonymous, and that you should be free to quit at any time. These are very standard things that are found in research, okay? Um, And again, like those projective tests, they're meant to be private, you know, used in a clinical setting, like the Rorschach test. And there's another popular one used in in the world of clinical psychology, and that's the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, I believe it's called. And this one is famous because it has 300 plus questions or so, and and the questions somehow don't make sense. But the way that test works, and it's so um, sensitive that, you know, it can detect whether someone's trying to fake good, right? This is the kind of test that can detect whether or not someone has certain types of mental disorders. So if someone's motive, uh, let's say they're in a mental hospital for committing certain crimes, right? And their motive is to fake good, like, you know, I'm, I'm not suffering from this mental disorder. I don't have psychotic episodes then the test actually has uh a line item in an index that will detect whether or not someone's trying to fake good or if someone's trying to fake bad right they're trying to uh get out of uh maybe a sentence for a particular crime by by saying that you know they were um, legally insane right and so that test would be thrown out if someone tried too hard to fake bad, and that's based on their behavior, I mean, their answer patterns on that test, okay? And so the way a lot of these tests work is that um, the academics and the clinicians that have gathered data over the years is that this large pool of data is correlated with actual patients and disorders, right? So when a new patient takes that test and they score high in certain dimensions, and the reason they know that, okay, this is a confirmation that this person is suffering from this kind of depression or or this kind of psychiatric symptom is because it matches up with the database of people who also have that. Now, if you've ever taken career types of inventories and it spits out certain career fields for you, and again, those aren't necessarily, they're usually not aptitude tests or based on skills, but... What they're based on, again, are large scale surveys with lots of people from a variety of professions and what you may find in some tests, I can't tell you which ones, but some tests what they're trying to tell you is that a person who has a similar personality profile as you was very happy at this particular job or these lists of professions. So if you ever go to take a career-related type inventory, right, um, to find out, oh, you know, what kind of job should I be thinking about before I start college or whatever. When During high school, I took those kinds of tests, and the number one match for me was, well, I, I had teacher in there and all that. It was kind of predictable. But number one, the highest was bus driver, right? And I thought, wow, you know, does that mean I really shouldn't be going to college? It really didn't mean that. And again, it required someone to interpret it. And this is why you need someone, a school counselor or, or a psychologist at the university to interpret these for you. Because what I learned was that people who are kind of like me really enjoy being professional bus drivers. And then when I thought about it, I thought, well, yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm very extrovert. I like talking to strangers and people. Um, I really enjoy the and again, this is not skill based, but I kind of enjoy the the notion of driving whenever we're on road trips I do most of the driving and I kind of enjoy the process and the act of driving as a skill as a behavior and so it's just those two things combine i think I think I would really enjoy being a bus driver right and I've been on many buses in my life and I, and I end up talking to the bus driver so I'm thinking maybe I would, you know that test may be kind of accurate that way. So again, if you take a test and it says that, oh, you should be a chemist, but you're horrible at chemistry, you know, that's not what it's trying to say. That test is trying to say that people who have a similar personality profile as you and who happen to be chemists enjoy doing what they do. They enjoy their work in the laboratory, okay? All right, so, um, and again, I'm going to, put some links in the show notes here and and again i'm just dig just touching the surface on on these kinds of personality tests okay so i'm not trying to again endorse any particular one or the other now let me finish up by talking about these kinds of tests you see in facebook or other social media sites right um that say that you know uh, which star trek character are you like kind of thing okay now Yes, those can be fun and people share them all the time. oh I'm, I'm Mr. Spock you know well the the thing is is that and I did find a pretty good article about this is that you, most of you realize this by now but when you're using a social media platform and that platform is free right how is it that company's making money and you have to really think about this and obviously you know that Facebook makes money through advertising. Well, Facebook also makes money by collecting your information and selling it to those advertisers, right? Um, and every time you click a like and, all, and you know, every time you click an article, a very detailed profile is being created of you. So when out of the blue, one of these quizzes comes up and you're answering questions about your preferences, you enjoy this, yes or no, do you enjoy that, yes or no? you're giving this big huge social media company that you're using for free your more information that can be used to serve you more detailed and accurate advertising to you based on your personality profile so that's much more rich information than just simply your demographic data meaning your sex your age your occupation your location the type of neighborhood you live in right that's all the kind of standards, maybe the kind of phone or computer you're using. If that's the kind of stuff that's normally collected. So imagine what else they can collect through a personality test. right? And it would be kind of curious if you took these tests but answered the opposite of what your personality profile, uh, of how you normally would answer that instead of answering it honestly. What if you just answered it in an opposite way and then see if the ads that show up in your timeline come out? To be very odd, like, why am I getting an ad for professional wrestling on Thursday nights? You know, that kind of thing, okay? And you know it's going to be based on a lot of these answers you give. So, and again, pay attention when you're in online and using these social media platforms and understand that, you know, whether it's a messaging app, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, you know, they have to be taking something from you in order to be making a profit, and that is your information. They're profiting off of that. Now, if there were an app out there that was funded in a different way, you know, when a WhatsApp was first created, there was a $1 a year fee. I don't know if some of you remember that, when, before it was bought out by Facebook. It prided itself on being secure and private, and was funded by users in that $1 per user fee, which can be in the millions, right? Well, once that was taken away and became free and owned by Facebook, you can see that slowly Facebook is trying to get more information out of its WhatsApp users. Now, there is another messaging app out there that's um, talked about being the most secure, and I use it as well. It's called Signal, right? You can look it up at Signal.org. Signal is a nonprofit. So being a nonprofit, it means that their business model is not to generate the most amount of income possible through user data right so their their mission statement is to protect your privacy and online security right so how are nonprofits typically funded through donations and through uh, organizations or pub or corporate donations right um, just like public television okay so that's why in public television you don't see commercials okay in the traditional sense but you do see sponsors and uh individuals usually donate making up the bulk of their their budget okay all right I think that's the end of my notes here just be careful out there and hopefully this discussion can help you a little bit when you're taking personality tests out there uh, I used to give the Myers-Briggs to my students you know but uh, if I do that again you know I would make sure to to talk about the science behind it and what you get out of it okay and uh, in any case, thank you for the friend in India who provided the question. And in the description, you'll find ways to send me messages or anonymous feedback or suggestions for future topics. Okay, I think that's about it. Um, feel free again to follow, subscribe, or do whatever you need to do, and and also write a review here or there online. Uh, tell tell the world what you think about my podcast. If it's worthwhile, share it. Okay, and uh, support me if you like buy me a cup of coffee no one's done that yet so you could be the first and i'll give you credit in my next podcast but so far i've been using my own money buying my own coffee from small local roasters and coffee shops in my area uh the last couple times i bought them from places that also also support um animal rescue efforts okay and uh, maybe i'll put those links in the description as well If you want to check them out, if you're a coffee drinker, you can buy coffee and support a good cause. Okay, folks, I'll talk to you later. Hey there, thanks for listening to this podcast today. Can you do me a big favor um, just so that this podcast gets heard by more students of psychology and other people interested in the field uh, go to apple Podcasts and put a little rating there if you like and uh, a brief uh, review okay and you can also contact me directly using the links in the description whether it's twitter or email with any suggestions or feedback that you may have to make the show better and uh, if there are any topics you want me to talk about i can add them and if you want to support me by buying me a coffee the methods are listed in the description as well. Again, thanks and have a great day.